Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this, well, this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm often glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get through all the comments and questions that get sent in, and we've fallen behind a little bit because we missed a show the other day. So I want to make sure you guys don't have to wait too awful long to get those comments and questions answered, especially since you tip to the channel and support our channel as you do it. So I gather up those questions, and we address them here on companion videos and it is friday that of this recording i am so glad we got through to the end of another week i hope you guys have a fabulous relaxing or fun whatever you guys need weekend planned ahead for yourselves and getting ready to face another triumphant week full of victory next week but for now we got a bunch of questions to get to so let's dive right into it shall we and we're gonna think start off here with james lh who writes hey john hope you agree, but I really like Richard E. Grant. Dude, who doesn't like Richard E. Grant? Uh, as Rob, I'm a fan with Nail and I fan. Uh, I just want to mention the first film I've seen him in was on VHS in a film I still like that is Warlock. Wow, that's going back. Annoying sequels, though. Have you seen this movie? I did. That's a, a while ago. And of course, Richard E. Grant right now is all the rage and all the talk because he was, of course, playing classic Loki in the Loki series. Just had that fabulous part at the end of the last episode. Glorious purpose. And it's crazy to think that a guy who's had the career he's had, he just had his first Academy Award nomination. 2019, uh, he did uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? I think that's the name of it. The one he did with Melissa McCarthy. He actually got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for that. Hell, I even like the guy in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And I hate that movie. But even in that, that dude was good. So yeah, Richard E. Grant, mm, chef kiss. Mwah. He's a treasure. He's an absolute treasure. All right, next up, uh, we've got Jerome who writes, in your opinion, should movies slash TV shows be compelled to show gay slash bisexual characters in a same-sex romance if it's not important to the plot? Or should it be enough that the character even talks about their sexuality, like in the case of Loki being bisexual? Um... Well, I mean, it looks, it all depends on how you look at it. I mean, on the one hand, no, no movie or TV show should ever be compelled to show anything. It's a business. Nobody tells gene makers what color to make their denim or anything like that. So no, I don't think that should be compelled. However, however, and there's a big asterisk with this. There also has to be some equity. Because let's look at a, um, because here's the thing, if movies are constantly and TV shows are constantly going to show unnecessary heterosexual romances and relationships and physicality, if they're, that aren't important to the story and they constantly show those, then why be overtly prejudiced and being totally cool showing those, but not with gay characters? I'll give you an example, a movie that just came out right? A movie I like a lot. Uh, Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt, right? Guess what? The wife character who I really like, Gilpin, Gilpin, is that her name? Anyway, I re she's in, um, she's in Glow. I really, she's a very good actress. Anyway, the wife character is totally unnecessary to that movie. The daughter is vital. If you've seen Tomorrow War, you know what I'm talking about. The wife character, totally unnecessary to the movie. Didn't need to be there. And even if she was there, even if you do want to have a wife character there, there was no time in the movie where you needed to show the couple hugging and kissing each other. Wasn't important to the movie. Wasn't important, but they put that in. 
And of course they do because that happens in all movies and TV shows, right? However, if that had been a same-sex relationship, let's say Chris Pratt was a gay character and he had a partner that instead of being a woman was another guy and they did exactly the same thing as Pratt and I keep wanting to say Gilpin. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing your name. They had, they showed the exact, nothing more, just the exact same stuff. Hugged when they hugged, kissed when they kissed. If they did that, but Chris Pratt's character was gay and he was doing it with the same sex partner. Whereas everybody was totally fine with him doing the unnecessary hugging and kissing of his heterosexual wife. If it had been, and everybody's fine with that. Yeah, that's no problem. No big deal. But if it had been a same sex person, you would have seen people losing their minds. Whatever. They would have been losing their minds. And they would have been going, why are they forcing that that gay thing on me? Right? It's There's no equity. They're perfectly fine when they shove unnecessary heterosexual stuff on screen. And we all accept it. It's fine. Even though it's completely unimportant to the movie. Completely unimportant to the movie. If I had done the exact same thing, but with a gay couple, we would have been saying, a whole bunch of people would be saying, they're forcing the gay stuff down our throats. I can't handle it. I mean, they would be losing their shit. And don't pretend like they wouldn't because we see it happen all the time. So should they be compelled to do that? No, they shouldn't be compelled to do it with gay stuff, heterosexual stuff. I don't know, alien monkey stuff, whatever floats your boat. They shouldn't be compelled. Nobody should be compelled to put anything in their movies and TV shows they don't want to. But if there's a massive inequity and balance that, hey, you show that shit all the time with heterosexual relationships, but you got to make sure you never show the gay stuff. One is perfectly fine, but one you call shoving it down your throat. There's a massive inequity there. And you've got to look in the mirror and say, well, then there's obvious prejudicial um, shit foolery. I mean, that's the best way to put it. That's obvious prejudicial shit foolery so compelled no i'm just saying if we're gonna do it all the time with heterosexual stuff then don't lose a fucking you know nut gasket when you see them do the exact same thing but with gay characters that's the only thing i would say anyway let's move on uh next up scott brown writes recently i commended on i you probably meant commented i commented on older actors in action movies and how i wasn't buying it anymore you're right it needs to be executed correctly like in red or nobody uh or um what's the sylvester stallone one expendables uh the characters need to be vulnerable and relatable in hitman's wife's bodyguard it just wasn't well yeah that's true because i remember thanks for bringing that up scott i remember you saying that before but that's the same with younger action stars right if they're doing an action movie with younger action stars, if they're invulnerable, there's no stakes, it's a bad story, then guess what? It's a crappy movie. It doesn't matter whether it's an older action star or a younger action star. You do a movie like, say, Expendables 2, which I, I really like Expendables 2. Anyway, you do a movie like Expendables 2 or some of even Jackie Chan's older stuff, like as he got older... Or like you said, Red, Mr. Nobody. It's not Mr. Just Nobody. Nobody that just came out uh, earlier this year that I really, really liked. And you have great character. 
you have high stakes, you make it exciting, then it doesn't matter whether they're older or younger. It's all about you execute a movie, but that's the same as to whether you have older action stars or younger action stars. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, Scott. All right, next up, Dan Sokolovo writes, or Sokolovov. Sokolov. Sokolov. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Sorry, Dan. John, I think I cracked it. The main, the man behind the curtain is Alan Cummings' Loki variant from the Son of the Mask. I, I mean, I appreciate you sending that in, Dan, but honestly, if I had a nickel for every time somebody wrote that to me, either in my comments section, in my email, on my Twitter, or on the show in the last few days, I'd be a rich man right now. But of course, for those of you who don't know where that joke comes from, in the movie Son of the Mask, which is like a sequel to Jim Carrey's awesome classic comedy, The Mask, uh, Jim Carrey's not in the sequel, but Alan Cumming plays the god Loki. So that's, that's where all that's coming from. All right, next up, Kylo Ken writes, John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here right now, one of two. With all the theories about who the big bad at the end of Loki, doesn't it seem obvious that it will be King Loki? Uh, Loki will have to take himself down. King Loki will try to force Loki to embrace his true nature or die, but our Loki will choose his new path. As Loki, the god of stories, uh, this event will cause the biggest nexus event of all time. It will break the sacred timeline and the multiverse will be formed. What do you guys think? Well, it's a very well thought out theory, Kylo, and it could very well be. Look, I've been saying for a while that I was on the fence about who's going to ultimately be the person behind the counter. Uh, I keep saying behind the counter, behind the curtain. I believed it was a one-third chance it would be Kang, one-third chance it would be a Loki variant, one-third chance it'll be anybody else. But after the last episode, I am now 80%, not 100, not 100, but I'm 80% sure that's going to be Kang. Everything in the show points to Kang. And it's very, very reminiscent of WandaVision. All the signs were pointing to her being Agatha Harkness. All the signs were pointing to her being Agatha Harkness. And I was like, well, then that means it's not Agatha Harkness because it's way too obvious it's Agatha, so it's not going to be Agatha. Well, guess what? What I wasn't taking into consideration was that nobody knew who Agatha Harkness was other than those of us who were in the 5% in the know. 95% of the audience didn't know that. All the signs from Ravona. Kang being written on the side of Avengers Tower, Alioth being there, who's directly connected to Kang in the comic books, uh, the Void Castle, which is directly connected to Kang in the comic books, the fact that we know that Kang is coming and he's going to be in Ant-Man 3. All the signs are pointing to Kang. So I am 80% sure it's Kang. Now, I still believe it's 10% chance it's anybody else, but I also still believe there's a 10% chance it could be a Loki variant. The reason I believe that is because this show is about Loki. So it would make sense for ultimately it to be a Loki variant that's behind the curtain. That would make sense. And so we'll find out. We'll find out in episode six. But for now, I just feel like this feels very reminiscent of WandaVision where all the signs pointed to Agatha and it turned out to be Agatha. I feel like all the signs now are pointing towards Kang. All these things that are connected to Kang... So I'm kind of believing it's going to be him, but I still think there's that 20% chance that it's either something else entirely or a Loki variant. We'll see once we get to episode six. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Kylo. And let's let's see how that turns out. All right. BK Dan writes, John, according to Deadline, they are projecting advanced sales tickets for Black Widow at 80 to 90 million. Disney is saying they're playing it safe and saying 75 million. And of course, we just talked about this morning on the John Campia show that... 
Fast 9, which opened to $70 million, on its first day made $7.1 million. On day one, it made $7.1 million. Black Widow just nearly doubled that. Nearly doubled it with $13.2 million. So if $7.1 million on its first day led to $70 million overall, what will $13.2 million on its first day lead to for Black Widow? I... I think it's going to hit 100. I, I definitely believe it's going to be over 90 million, but I think it could hit 100. Robert Meyer Burnett absolutely believes it's going to go over 100. Which will it be? We'll find out uh, at the end of the weekend. All right, next up. We got Jerome who writes, okay, I want to say thank you for all you do and sorry for the capital letters in my past questions. Oh, that was you. Hey, no, thank you for correcting it, Jerome. I appreciate that. Um, for the capital letters in my past questions, it's how I type to better double check words. And if my topics frustrated you, uh, and hopefully people can continue to learn uh, from stories to better our lives. Well, that's thank you for correcting how you're doing it. And I appreciate you following up. So thank you very much for that, Jerome. All right, next up, uh, DJ Taterskins writes, John, Rob, who's not here. Hello, we disagree. Loki episode five was fantastic. It was fun, bizarre. I didn't find it to be either of those, but I'm glad you did. Uh, my sons and I laughed out loud. Sylvie and Loki get to where they needed to, loving the void and suspense of still not knowing who is the guy. Six episodes needed more. It, it, I do wish it was longer, but I thought I wanted it to be longer, but seeing as they've already had a five episodes, they've had two of them that were kind of just filler episodes. They clearly didn't have enough story to do an actual true full season of television. So I'm okay with it. I am very much like, and listen, if you like, if you loved episode five, that's awesome. I'm not, I'm not trying to yuck on your yum. That is great. I wish I felt the same way. Unfortunately, I didn't. I, I was a little disappointed in the episode. It definitely had some highlights, definitely had highlights. And I definitely liked it more than I did episode three, but to me overall, still a little disappointing, but I'll look forward to episode six and we can all celebrate that one together. All right. Thanks for writing in DJ. Next up, uh, overlook overcooled writes, John, I just watched an insider video that showed how most of the stunts in F9 were done practically, not the key ones. They weren't, uh, it's hard to believe, but true. Should we change our opinion of the movie? Since a lot of the real physics were used, no real physics were used in a three-ton car, however heavy a car is, swinging by the vine of a rope bridge that already broke across a canyon. There's no real-world physics in that. There's no real-world physics of a Dominic Toretto grabbing the chain and pulling a concrete structure down all by himself. There's no real-world real world things for that. There's no real-world physics at play here for, man, they drove over a landmine, but they were driving so fast, the landmines never affected them at all. There's no real-world physics in that. There's no real world physics of 40 guys with machine guns, point blank at you firing guns and every single bullet misses. There's no real world physics for that. A, a car with glass windows flying into space with scuba suits and duct tape flying through a satellite, but you know, suffering no damage of its own. There's no real world physics in that. So no, it doesn't change a damn bloody thing. Just because they had a real guy in a car who made a left turn at a light doesn't mean anything about that movie is remotely believable in the least. So no overcooled. I do not believe that at all. All right. Next up, uh, my comic planet writes one of two congrats to one of your colleagues, Chris Tuckman. We talked about this a little bit earlier today, a uh, deadline reported who will be making his first movie. Uh, it, it really makes me smile to see great people like Chris, yourself, John, Rob, uh, and the YouTube space having success 
in making movies. So congrats to all of you. You guys are trailblazers for all of us aspiring to the same. Yeah. And fingers crossed. I hope, see, I have no doubt Chris is a smart enough guy that he's going to do the right things. I just don't know anything about this company he's working with. So I just hope they don't hold him back, but I got all the faith in the world that Chris Stuckman is going to do a good job. So let's see how that all evolves. All right. Next up, mischievous gremlin writes, Marvel needs to come together and give us the ultimate team-up movie. Rocket Raccoon, Crokey, the Gator Loki, Frog Thor, Howard the Duck, and Cosmo the Dog. I'm not interested in any of that, but I'm glad you brought up that last one. From the, I remember when James Gunn came into my studio. This is before, this is a few months before the first Guardians of the Galaxy came out. All I wanted to know was, is Cosmo going to be in this movie? Now, of course, Cosmo makes a brief appearance in it, but all I want is Cosmo. I really hope somehow, some way, like he's actually one of my favorite characters in the Guardians of the Galaxy books. Uh. Certainly not that he's in all of them. He's not. But in the, like the original run stuff that I was reading, Cosmo's one of the best characters. I love the Cosmo thing and the little rivalry he had with Rocket. I love Cosmo. And I would love for them to bring that. Everything else, man. But Cosmo? Damn. I, I'm so glad you mentioned him, Mischievous, because nobody mentions Cosmo anymore. All right. I'm glad you brought that up. All right. Not Kevin Feige writes, Werewolves Within broke the video game curse. Yeah, that depends who you ask. I've talked to some people that don't like the movie at all. Now, I haven't seen it myself. But here's the thing. Can it break the video game curse if nobody's watched it? And Very, very few people have watched it. And I know, well, I know one person that liked it, but I know a couple of people that didn't like it. The biggest thing, of course, about this movie is that it's got the girl, the AT&T store girl from the commercials, right? She's adorable. So uh, that's the first thing I noticed about this movie was that she was starring in. So I guess, uh, did it break the curse? Did it really? And, and even if it was great, can you still say it broke the curse if nobody watched it? I, I'm not so, I'm not so sure about that. Again, I, I'm not, I'm not crap talking the movie because I haven't seen it. Now there's anybody else, but I, so I'm not crap talking. Maybe if I watch it, I'll love it, but I don't know if we can say it broke the curse though. All right. Next up, uh, super Dave writes one of my favorite TV characters ever. Super Dave Osborne, super Dave writes for the love of God. Can somebody please explain why a frost giant is cold and needs a blankie? Uh, did they mess up and was he really cold or was my main low key trying to shoot his shot with his lady friend. See, here's my thought on that. Like somebody else brought up to me the other day, you know, if magic doesn't work in the TVA, once Loki arrived at the TVA, should he have not instantly reverted back to his frost giant form? And which is a terrific question. My theory is that he is no longer frost giant. Once he changed himself to be as guardian, that's what he is now. I explain it like this. Imagine if Loki had his arm cut off. Okay. Let's say Loki had his arm cut off during a battle, right? When he goes to the TVA, would his arm suddenly reappear? Probably not because that's what his body is now. And even if that transformation happened as a result of magical means, that's what his body is now. So my guess is that, yes, he's still susceptible a little bit to cold, even though by birth, he's a frost giant. So I, again, 
That's just my best theory. That's just my best guess at that. So if you've got a better one, I'm totally open ears to hear it, but that's the best that I got. All right, next up, we go to Cool Craig T who writes, what do you think about Apple TV's upcoming film Foundation based on Isaac Asimov's book? Looks like it could be the start of something big. I think it looks great. Now, this is something we've all been looking forward to for a long, long, long time. And, you know, it's funny. It wasn't that long ago. Somebody wrote in and said, hey, man, we haven't seen a new trailer promo for uh, Foundation for like forever. And then it seemed like just a little while after that, boom, some new stuff started to drop. I'll tell you what. I am super excited about it. Um, Richard, why do I keep freezing on Richard Harris's son's name? He was just the star of Chernobyl. Uh, and I forget his name. Anyway, he's an awesome actor. He looks great in it. I think it's going to be fantastic. Apple TV has completely been impressing me with all their stuff, even though I was very dismissive of them when they first made their announcement about Apple TV plus, and they did that big presentation that I thought was lame. Well, guess what? They're the ones laughing now because they've been making some really great content. And so I'm, this is one of the things I'm really looking forward to. All right, next up, uh, Kevin Bloom writes, Hey, John, uh, becoming big, become big fan here in the UK. Thank you so much for that, Kevin. Uh, me and my family love watching and listening to your show after work and eating dinner every week, uh, every weekday evening. Thank you so much for that, man. That's an honor. Anyway, so Michael Keaton in the Flash movie, do you think he is in Spider-Man No Way Home as Vulture and Santa Dork sucks? <laughs> yeah, Santa Dork. Um, I do not think he's in Spider-Man No Way Home, but I would not put any money on him not being in it. Like, if I'm asked to make a guess, my guess is he won't appear in Spider-Man No Way Home, but I wouldn't even put a dollar on that. Because it's totally possible. I mean, hell, if he can pop up in Morbius, then why couldn't he pop up in Spider-Man No Way Home? Of course he could. So my guess is that he won't, but I'm not going to be surprised in the least if he does. We'll find out. And again, Kevin, thanks for having me in your home as you guys uh, do your thing and allowing me to be a part of that. I appreciate that, man, very much. Thank you. All right. Next up, The Sock writes... I watched F9 with a good friend of mine. We enjoyed it in a guilty pleasure sort of way. I lost track of how many times we laughed and said, nah, man. That being said, I left to get a drink during the movie, and I never do that, not even to use the restroom. Ah, you know, just what it is. And listen, as much as I crap talk F9, and I say that I do that as a Fast and the Furious fan. I love four, five, six, seven. I even really liked eight. Didn't love eight, but I really liked eight. I just hate nine. I think nine is terrible. But you know, that doesn't mean there aren't people out there, a decent number of people who are really enjoying it. And that's awesome. I'm not going to try to talk people out of liking it. If you like it, you like it. And that's awesome. If you have fun with that, that's great. All I can do is be jealous and wish that I had the same experience, but mine was a little bit closer to yours. Just sitting there a lot of times going, nah, man, and feeling like I just wanted to leave. That was me. All right. Thanks for sharing your experience, Sock. Next up, we got Tony Mack and Tony Mack writes, Hey, John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here right now. Han and Leia arguing scene in Empire Strikes Back. Did you ever notice the hairdo on the young man who walks between them? Or as he's going, huh? Huh? Anyway, the hairdo on the young man who walks between them. Check it out. Looks like an 18-year-old Eddie Munster. Uh, just a weird thing I noticed. I can honestly say, Tony Mac, I have never thought of it and certainly never noticed it. You've done what very few people can do. 
put something on my Star Wars radar that I'm not really aware of. So I've never noticed it. Now, the next time I'm watching Empire, I'm going to have to fast forward right to that moment and see it for myself. Thanks for sharing that, Tony. Next up, Casey McNatt writes, John, I think the only way Spider-Man can be Spider-Man is if Sony slash Marvel doesn't make a new deal. Uh, it is concerning because who knows what Sony will do with the franchise if they have all the control with the character. I, I don't know why that's concerning. Sony has made not one, but two Spider-Man movies that are better than any Spider-Man movie Marvel's made. I mean, everybody forgets that. Spider-Man 2 is maybe the best. I mean, look, for a long time, Spider-Man 2 was considered by a lot of people to be the best comic book movie ever made. I mean, obviously not today, but for a long time, a lot of people thought that. And I would still contend Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, is still a top 10 greatest comic book movie of all time. It's fantastic. And then Sony did Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I think was the best comic book movie of 2018, the same year that Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War came out. And I and I, I make no apologies for that. I think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was the best comic book movie that year. I thought it was, I, to me, it was the number three best picture of the year. Overall, comic book or not, I only had it behind A Quiet Place and Black Klansman. Those are the only two films that I had ahead of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think it's that good. Marvel has never made a Spider-Man movie as good as those two. Now, don't get me wrong. I really like the two Spider-Man movies that Marvel has made. I really like Homecoming, and I really like Far From Home, and I cannot wait to see No Way Home. But I wouldn't feel concerned about them getting it. They've made the best Spider-Man movies. Now, you can also flip the coin on that and make the argument they've also made the worst Spider-Man movies, you know, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. By the way, I really like The Amazing Spider-Man 1, but The Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, sure. But Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Sony can make really great Spider-Man movies. So personally, I wouldn't be concerned about it at all. I know that's not the popular thing to say. The popular thing to say is all Marvel all day. I understand that, and I'm a Marvel fan. But no, I have no hesitations, no anxieties about if Sony gets Spider-Man back entirely because they've been doing some pretty good shit. Anyway, that's just my take on it. Thanks for that, Casey. Next up, Loki, Loki, Loki tipped in like $50. Thank you, Loki, 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 for supporting our channel on that level, man. That's really, really generous. Thank you, dude. Uh, Loki, Loki, Loki with his $50 tip writes, seems to me like Marvel's TV show formula is... Build up to episode five or six, then give very little catharsis. Make people go to a movie to see the rest of the story. It feels like a really long one shot. Minimal catharsis. Will this eventually get old? I disagree. I thought, see, here's the thing. I know there's, it is the popular opinion that while people loved WandaVision, weren't really happy with the finale. I love the finale of WandaVision. When you understand WandaVision was about a young woman trying to find a way to deal with her unspeakable grief. Remember, we said that right from day one of WandaVision. When you understand that that's what that show is really about, it's not about, is Reed Richards going to show up? It's not about Mephisto. It's not about X-Men and it's not about Quicksilver. It's, it's about a young woman trying to navigate her way through and deal with unspeakable grief. And when you understand that's what that show was about, to me, the finale was borderline perfect. I loved it. She comes to peace. 
with what she is. There should have been more repercussions for her actions. That being said, she comes to peace with where she's at and what's happened to her. Uh, it launches a new chapter for her with being the Scarlet Witch, which she never was before. So I thought it was great. Falcon the Winter Soldier too. The story of that show came to absolute conclusion with open doors for where things could go next, but it brought its story to a finale. Um, so I, I gotta say, Loki, 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 I, I disagree with your assessment of it. I don't discredit your assessment. That's how you saw it. And that's how it seems to you. I I'm cool with that. But since you're asking me, my perception is very, very different. I actually thought both WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier brought what their true core stories were to completion, then opened doors at the end of them to lead to other things, just like everything in the MCU has ever done. Everything in the MCU has always done that. Bring their story to conclusion, open doors for where other things can go later. So that's my personal feeling about it. Now, Let's see how the Loki series actually wraps up and finishes. I, I'm going to hold my breath a little bit because, again, I did not like episode three. I was disappointed in episode five. Hopefully they can really end this thing strong because overall I really like the show, but they got to bring it home, man. They really got to nail the landing on this. So let's see how they do it. And again, man, thanks for supporting our channel on that level, dude. That's really generous of you. All right. Next up, uh, Chuck the Mystery writes, hey, John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here right now. I'd like your predictions on something. Excluding DC or Marvel movies, what films still coming in 2021 will have the biggest opening weekend domestically? That's easy. Uh, also, over under 30% that we will see a surprise major DC character in Suicide Squad. I'm going to go under 30% on that. Not zero, not five, but 30 is kind of a big number, so I'm going to take the under on that. Um, as far as what's going to have the biggest opening, like not it even it doesn't matter if it's Marvel or DC, the biggest opening moving now forward, understanding that WandaVision's already open. That's easy. It's going to be Bond. Bond will have the biggest opening. Um, I think Suicide Squad has a chance to do very well, but Suicide Squad is also carrying with it some baggage. Um, there was a lot of people who didn't like the first Suicide Squad movie. I did. I know it's a hot mess of a movie, but I had fun with the last suit with the first Suicide Squad movie. Sue me. I had fun with it. Um, but it is coming with some of that baggage. And I think it'll do well, but it's, you know, not going to crack a hundred million opening weekend. At least I don't think so. Who knows? We'll wait and see. But Bond, I think Bond's going to do real well. And uh, I think that one, now the one I'm most looking forward to is Dune, but Dune is an unknown commodity for a lot of people. So I don't think it's going to open as well as Bond. Well, I think it'll be the better movie, but I think uh, Bond will be the biggest opening for the rest of 2021. Now that Black Widow, well, I guess the weekend isn't done yet, but once Monday hits and Black Widow is in our rear view mirror, Bond will be the biggest opening for the rest of 2021. At least that's my guess. All right. Last question of the day, guys. This one comes to us also from Chuck the Mystery who writes, you were talking about the possibility of a new version of The Shadow coming out, which I would love to see, but it made me think. What about Dick Tracy? We haven't seen him on the on the screen since 1990. Do you think he could be tackled again? Thanks. I really don't. I mean, The Shadow, listen, it's not like everybody knows The Shadow and The Shadow's a big popular character. He's not. But if you look at the nature of The Shadow, that's a character that that carries that carries with it certain characteristics that I think would be ap appealing 
to a wide audience. You know, I think that can work. Dick Tracy is a character of another era. And I just don't think... Now, I could be proven wrong easily enough, but you're you're asking me for my on-the-spot guess. My on-the-spot guess is that is a character of a bygone era, and I do not think that is a character that would appeal to audiences today. So, actually, now Warren Beatty gave it a go, like 20, 30 years ago. I can't remember how long ago his, his Dick Tracy was. Uh, even that was pushing it. But uh, no, I don't think Dick Tracy could work again. Now, who knows? Everything in our culture moves in cycles. So maybe, you know, 15 years from now, that sort of thing will be back. That retro thing will be back in style again. And then maybe a Dick Tracy thing could work. But for where we're at right now, I don't think it could work. But I would love to be proven wrong. I would love it. All right, guys, listen. There are more questions to come from uh, Brenda Strong, James L.H., uh, Willow and others. Do not worry. We're going to do another companion video this weekend. So make sure you guys keep your eyes on your YouTube feeds. I will do another companion video this weekend and we will get caught up all the way up till uh, where we need to be. But for now, guys, that will do it for me for this installment of the companion videos. Thank you guys so much for spending some of your time here with me today. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in these questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campy Show, thank you guys so much for your support. Okay, guys, that'll do it for me for now. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.